0: The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's Mightiest Heroes type thing. Avengers, time to work for a living. That's my secret. I'm always angry. I am on the side of life. You get hurt, hurt them back. You get killed, walk it off. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers. Welcome to episode 90 of Some Assembly Required, your podcasting adventure into the annals of Earth's mightiest heroes, the Avengers. This episode we are taking a look at Avengers number 85, The World is Not for Burning. This issue is written by Roy Thomas, pencils by John Buscema, inks by Frank Giacoia, letters by Mike Stevens, and it comes to us in February of 1971. Starting off with our cover, our cover this week is really excellent. The general color palette is great, and the Avengers being in blue, which is in high contrast to the rest of the cover, really makes them the focus of this cover. On top of that, the melting effects look really great, especially the buildings in the background and the fire hydrant. Although I have to say, I'm pretty sure that if it were really hot enough to melt stone and metal, all the people around the Avengers would probably be dead already. But that is a very minor criticism, and I really like this cover. I think it's very well done. Having defeated Archon and Enchantress, the Avengers seek to return to their home dimension. Wielding his magical Uru hammer Mjolnir, Thor calls upon the power of Odin to summon a portal which will transport the Avengers and their mansion back home. Black Knight is the first to arrive home, or rather, from his point of departure, Stonehenge. With his mission accomplished, Black Knight returns to his manor while wondering if the rest of his teammates have made it home safely. Okay, so last issue, I said that the Avengers left Archon's dimension. That's a bit of a misstatement. uh, As we see in the beginning of this issue, the Avengers are actually departing now. They really, they left the scene where Archon was, but they didn't actually depart his dimension until the very beginning of this issue. Interestingly enough, Thor refers to Archon's realm as Thrice Accursed, which I think is kind of interesting. One, they've only been there twice, so that's not what it's referring to. And I'm not sure why his realm would be accursed in general. It's different, it's kind of weird, and Archon's kind of a dick, but none of that really makes it an accursed realm, so not quite sure where Thor's going with that. The warping effect that we see when the Avengers are transported home isn't bad, but I'm not particularly blown away. We've seen a lot of other and better effects of a similar nature. This one gets the point across, but it doesn't really do it with a whole lot of style. And it is nice to see Black Knight get home all right. I'm just a little bit miffed that he flies off after arriving home, assuming that everything is all right with his teammates. When Black Knight was in trouble, the Avengers at least attempted to call him over the phone, and I wonder why he couldn't be bothered to return Turn the favor and just check in with his teammates. Especially given the fact that although he is not necessarily an active member, again, at this point, Black Knight is an official member of the Avengers. Go figure. Back in New York, Thor and Black Panther find themselves safely returned as well. Noticing that Avengers Mansion has also returned, the pair enter their headquarters in search of their compatriots. Unfortunately, and rather curiously, the remaining Avengers are not where they should be. Just as they begin to wonder what may have happened to their comrades, Black Panther realizes that both men are late for a very important engagement. Rushing across New York, they manage to arrive in the nick of time in order to begin passing out toys to underprivileged children as part of the Toys for Tots program, along with Captain America and Spider-Man. Although they find it wonderful to be able to spread such joy, Thor and Black Panther are troubled by the absence of their friends and cannot help but wonder what has happened to them. So I like the idea here that Thor and Black Panther have this really super important mission that they're late for, and it turns out to be an, a, a public appearance. Now obviously, it's a public appearance for a good cause, Toys for Tots, which, as most people are aware, is a Marine Corps charity that collects toys around the holidays and distributes them to underprivileged children. But the reality here is that it is, in fact, a publicity event, and it's just a nice little mind game that the creative team plays on the readers. It's not anything selfish, so you don't feel bad that the Avengers, or really in this case Thor and Black Panther, are preoccupied by making it there, right? They're excited and they're they're in a rush to make sure that they go and do something worthwhile, But until they arrive, it really seems like there's something else, like, super important, world-saving related, and it turns out to be this charity appearance. On a street not unlike the one that Black Panther and Thor arrived on, the remaining Avengers arrive but find themselves failing to fully materialize. At first, it is thought to just be vision, but on closer inspection, all four Avengers suffer from the same affliction. Having orientated themselves to their new condition, the Avengers look around their new surroundings to find a scene of abject horror. As a man literally runs through Quicksilver, the team finds themselves in a world that is rapidly dying of extreme heat. So the remaining Avengers arrive at some horrifying time and place where everybody and everything is dying and melting. This is not exactly the homecoming that they were looking forward to, and it is certainly a terrible sight for them to endure. They quickly identify that the sun is responsible, somehow being dramatically hotter and brighter than normal. The results are utterly devastating. People collapse in the street while asphalt smokes and melts around them. Even more shocking is that when Quicksilver finds a newspaper, the Avengers discover that they are several days in the future. Not knowing what else to do, Scarlet Witch uses her hex powers. The unexpected chain reaction again sends the Avengers hurtling through space and time, returning them back in time to the day they left. Determined to figure out and prevent the cause of this fate they just witnessed, the Avengers return to Avengers Mansion to regroup. So as it turns out, not only are the Avengers in a different dimension, but they are also in the future at least by a couple of days. How they end up traveling back in time here is a little bit screwy as it relies on Scarlet Witch's hex powers, but that doesn't really mesh with her existing power set. Personally, I think it would have worked better had they left it a bit of a mystery and just brought them to the future and then almost at random pulled them back as though some unknown force is manipulating events. Outside of trying to explain things with Scarlet Witch's powers, I think that just would have worked better. Upon arriving at Avengers Mansion, all is not well. As Quicksilver enters through the front door, he is attacked by an automated defense system that the Avengers have no memory of installing. So it's nice to see here that the Avengers Mansion is as poorly protected here as it is everywhere else. It's also an interesting thought as to why this particular building, Avengers Mansion, always seems to exist in alternate dimensions. It's kind of a a weird little... Work. You know, maybe it's one of those things that it's kind of an anchor or a fixture of, of every dimension. You know, there are always certain certain things that are common, little little threads, and maybe Avengers Mansion is just one of those things. The team is given little time to think about this occurrence, however, before they are confronted by Nighthawk, a member of the Squadron Sinister. After a brief encounter with Vision, Nighthawk, who has no memory of the Avengers, acknowledges that he is severely outnumbered and quickly retreats through a hidden door. Looking to pursue Nighthawk, Goliath prepares to smash the secret door when he is forcefully stopped by Vision. Using his ability to pass through walls, Vision opens the door from the other side, revealing a hidden explosive device set to detonate if anyone tried to force the door. Rushing down the secret corridor, the Avengers are stunned to find an entire team of costumed supers waiting for them at the other end. After trading a series of barbs with one another, the two super-powered teams rush headlong at one another. So the group we are seeing here is, in fact, known as the Squadron Supreme, which is a little bit different than the Squadron Sinister that we have seen in the past, though outside of their good versus evil alignment, they are fundamentally the same team. Now, in this particular case, they are a larger team than the Avengers overall, as we'll see, with Uh, Five members present at the mansion, and then several others that are off-site that we really won't encounter until next issue. But we have Nighthawk, we have a different version of Hawkeye, we have Tom Thumb, American Eagle, and Lady Lark are present at the mansion, while Hyperion, Dr. Spectrum, and the Wizard are all present off site. And we see them through video communication a little bit later here, but we won't actually interact with them during this issue. In this particular issue, they are nominally heroes though they are definitely a little bit more on the aggressive side and a bit more morally ambiguous than the Avengers of this era. Things like hiding secret explosives in the door so if someone forced it, that kind of thing, not really an Avengers-style maneuver, but this team doesn't really seem to have any problems with it. For those who remember the Squadron Sinister's previous appearance, keep in mind that they are, in fact... A Justice League knockoff. So, right, the Marvel has the Avengers. Obviously, DC has the Justice League. And these guys are really kind of a a parody of the Justice League. Now, speaking of parodies, Again, this team does have a Hawkeye who, in a lot of ways, is similar to Clinton Barton's Hawkeye, although he dresses more like a bird and instead of a bow and arrow, he uses a crossbow. So, at this point, I really feel like the creative team is just kind of making fun of Clinton Barton, especially since at this point they've already planted the seeds of bringing back Hawkeye and we are slowly moving towards that. We've got a little bit of an arc to this story. Uh, The next issue and really the next couple of issues are kind of continuations of a story arc which then bring us into the Cree scroll war and once we make it to the Cree scroll war that that's really the end of clinton barton as goliath by the end of the Cree scroll war we will no longer have a clinton barton goliath he will be returning to hawkeye within a couple of issues of the conclusion of the Cree scroll war and so this is kind of a, a last little little jab little twist of the knife there at uh, at hawkeye before they bring him back as a as a real serious character so in the midst of this fight another member of the squadron sinister dr spectrum attempts to make contact with the headquarters of the squadron supreme in cosmopolis So this is really the point where we recognize that we are in a different dimension. Up until this point, although I have mentioned being in a different dimension a couple of times, the only inkling that the Avengers have that they're in a different dimension is the fact that the Squadron Supreme, or up until this point, what they think is the Squadron Sinister, is present in Avengers Mansion. So this is the point where things kind of click for the Avengers, I really appreciate the fact that the Avengers, once they figure this out, are still dead set on stopping the villain of saving this dimension, of saving these people. It's not their home dimension. Quite honestly, they could just figure out a way to go home and be perfectly fine, but instead they continue with their effort to save these people. As we see, Doctor Spectrum announces that the Brainchild 1 rocket is one hour from lifting off on its solar orbit journey. This discontinuity, paired with the information about the rocket, forces Vision to only one conclusion, that the Avengers have arrived in yet another parallel dimension where the Squadron Sinister are not villains, but in fact, the superheroes of the Squadron Supreme. Not only that, but this Brainchild 1 rocket is most likely responsible for the solar catastrophe that they so recently witnessed. With this, the Avengers Avengers change their strategy and attempt to disable the Squadron Supreme so that they can talk and determine where the rocket launch is taking place in hopes of stopping it before it's too late. While the Squadron Supreme puts up a good fight, they are eventually beaten down by the superior might of the Avengers. So here, the fight gives the appearance of being a fairly even fight, but I think it's a little bit deceptive. Rolling into this, I really never had any doubts that the Avengers were going to win this particular fight. Now, obviously, the Avengers, especially in this era, basically win in the end, eventually. They may not win the fight the first time, but they come around and win it the second time. Here, I never had any question, any thoughts that it was going to go to uh, a second round, if you will. The Avengers were going to win this fight straight up, so they're kind of trying to play things off as though the Avengers are having to put in more effort, but in the end, if you do a comparison of the Squadron Supreme members present, not not the whole team, but just the members present, compared with the Avengers present, although there is... Is a numbers difference, and the Avengers are actually outnumbered. They dramatically overpower the Squadron Supreme, especially with Vision on the team. It's it's funny because Vision just so heavily weights almost everything in the Avengers' favor, and this is a a prime example of that. Leaving all of the squadron members behind except Nighthawk, the Avengers depart on a mission to find the rocket launch site. When Nighthawk again regains consciousness in the middle of their flight, the Avengers explain the situation to him. Unable to explain why, Nighthawk believes their story and directs the Avengers towards the launch site, hoping desperately that they will arrive in time to stop Armageddon. So I'm not really sure that this is the best way to ingratiate yourself towards someone, you know, beating up and then kidnapping them. But it seems to work. And quite honestly, I'm glad that Nighthawk believes them. But, you know, I've read this issue and I've read the next issue, so I know I know what's going on. I have a hard time understanding why he believes them. If I were in Nighthawk's position, even without the assault and kidnapping portion, I think I would have a difficult time believing the Avengers. This is a really far-fetched tale, and, you know, I just I just don't know that I could believe them. Now, this is where we're going to leave off at the end of our issue. This basically gives us a really nice cliffhanger both From a storytelling perspective and from a visual perspective with the last panel, a really great cliffhanger. It leads into the next issue really well, setting up some really dire consequences if the Avengers and the Squadron Supreme are unable to complete their mission. So overall, this is not a bad issue. It's not mind-blowingly good, but it really is enjoyable. The pacing ends up being a little slow, and that's kind of what makes me say that this is not like an amazing issue, but it's not terrible. But again, having... Having read the next issue and knowing the content that's in that issue, had they tried to combine these two portions of the story together, they would have ended up with a just incredibly rushed issue. And I would much rather have a little bit of a slow pacing issue that gives me a better quality story and better quality art. Really, I would take that any day over a book that tries to do too much, that feels too rushed. The art is generally pretty strong, with a few standouts like the cover and the final panel, which makes it nice to see an issue starting and ending really strong. And again, the the work in the middle is also very quality, very, uh, of a very high quality. It's not any kind of super standout, iconic work, but it is solid comics from John Buscema. Last thing I want to touch on, again, is the Squadron Supreme, you know, like I mentioned, is a team that periodically changes their alignment, not so much the team itself, but based on which various dimension the team is encountered in. Obviously, the first time they were the Squadron Sinister, this time they are the Squadron Supreme. There will be more Squadron Supreme versions than Squadron Sinister versions, but they both exist in, in various dimensions. They're an interesting group. Like I mentioned, they are a, a parody, a parallel of the Justice League, and that's very much an intentional decision. But once you move past that, we we will actually see some of these characters join the Avengers, not necessarily as as first stringers, but at least Hyperion will join during uh jonathan hickman's run and i believe wizard joins i know for a while wizard joins the thunderbolts but i believe he also joins the avengers for a little bit so we do see them kind of splitting off and becoming a part of the larger marvel universe instead of just being relegated to these side uh cross-dimensional excursions if you will remember You can find us at AvengersAssembly.com, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Next episode, we are going to be taking a look at Avengers number 86, Brainchild to the Dark Tower Came. All right, hey. All right, good job, guys. Uh, Let's just not come in tomorrow. Let's just take a day. you ever tried shawarma? There's a shawarma joint about two blocks from here. I don't know what it is, but I want to try it.